All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Hello, America, and happy last day of the Supreme Court session. Like, what the heck is that? Is that a holiday? It is a historic day. The final session of a historic session of the Supreme Court came uh, with a loud bang today. Some historic rulings, perhaps the most significant of them, is the ruling by the court today in a case known as West Virginia versus EPA. We had West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey on the show not that long ago talking about this could be an earthquake. Well, it is an earthquake. What the court ruled today is that the administrative state, the unelected bureaucrats in Washington, don't have the right to make up law where Congress hasn't created law, where Congress hasn't given discretion. The bureaucrats aren't, can't assume that discretion. That is an important victory for a constitutional republic of the people, for the people, by the people, right? It is the big first major ruling to really strike at this very aggressive, large bureaucracy in the alphabet soup city of Washington, basically telling bureaucrats, yeah, don't get to make up law. And in this case, what the law was, was that the EPA set out to take an entire industry without the lawful authority of Congress and try to drive it out of business, the coal industry of West Virginia. And today the Supreme Court says, you can't do that. That's not what our founding fathers did. That's what King George would have done. But we're not King George. We created a constitutional republic, a historic, historic ruling. And then just to tease us before they went into the summer solstice, the Supreme Court gave us one of the cases it's going to take up in the fall and in the 2023 session. And it is a case of profound consequence for how we will vote, how elections will be conducted in the future. It took on the case in North Carolina where Republicans in the legislature have sued to say, we made some laws about elections and the bureaucrats in the state, the governor, the courts have tried to undo our will. And that's not right because the Constitution explicitly gave state legislatures the right to set the time and means and purposes of elections. So this will determine whether that authority is as absolute as the right to bear arms, which was determined in the in the case just a few days ago. Uh, this court seems to be literally 
interpreting the words of the founding fathers and sticking to them, not uh, reinterpreting them and adapting them for the times. That is a remarkable achievement. It is a remarkable opportunity for the constitutional purists to get some common sense back in the court system. Now, all of these cases are going to take time, but let me just give you why the North Carolina case is so important. If the court comes down on the side of the North Carolina legislators, it will have the ability to solve some of these disputes where there are Republican legislatures, a la Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, who created election reform laws only to have their governor veto them or their state election regulators, the unelected bureaucrats of the regulatory system, to do something on their own that the legislature never gave authority to or explicitly tried to prohibit. That is how important it means the rules of the 2024 election may very well be settled by the legislatures the way our founding fathers intended and not by bureaucrats like the Wisconsin Election Commission or the secretaries of states. It will be created by the law and edicts that a legislature makes for the elections. That is a historic case. And because it's a historic day, at the end of a historic Supreme Court session, we've got an all-star lineup today. Joining us from the Public Interest Legal Foundation is our good friend, Jay Christian Adams. He is a former voting rights section lawyer for the Justice Department, one of the most eloquent voices in election integrity. He's going to walk us through both rulings today because the strike against the administrative state, the unelected bureaucrats, is large in West Virginia versus EPA, and the potential impact of the North Carolina election case could ring on for years to come. Jay Christian Adam is going to give us the up and down on both of those, the over under, help you best understand in layman's terms what the court ruled today and what it is poised to look at when it gets back to work in the fall. And then we're going to turn to one of my great colleagues here at Just the News. You've seen her byline day in and day out. She's one of our most prolific writers at Just the News. Madeline Hubbard joins us. Right now, she's been visiting in Israel, has some amazing intelligence. Earlier today, the Israelis announced that they're going to have their fourth election in five years for a prime minister. You think, we have a lot of elections. Think of that. Four times in five years, they had to pick their head of country. And the way this is setting up now that Naftali Bennett, the current prime minister, the one that Joe Biden hoped to prop up in Israel, but failed, is that a very familiar name in Israeli politics may be on the return to prime minister. That's right, Benjamin Netanyahu, mostly in control of Israel for much of the last two decades, almost three decades. It looks like Israelis may turn back to a familiar name. Badalin has been reporting on the ground with everyday Israelis, and she's going to give us the latest intelligence. Why did the Bennett government collapse? Why is there going to be an election? What are the prospects? Who are the potential front runners for the next prime minister? Of Israel. Imagine if Benjamin Netanyahu is back in power at a time when he's going to confront Joe Biden about his Middle East and other policies, the Iran policy among them. Wow, what an amazing time that will be. Great show. Buckle your seatbelt. We're going to take a quick commercial break when we come back. First up, Jay Christian Adams, the great lawyer from the Justice Department voting rights section, now the head of the public interest legal foundation he's going to give us the lowdown on today's big rulings his take on the whole session of the supreme court where we got roe v wade overturned all these different historic moments we're going to get that from christian then we're going to turn to madeline hubbard and bring in israeli politics because israeli politics have a big big effect on 
American politics. The relationship between the two countries is large and important and deep. All right, folks, we'll take that commercial break. We'll be right back up with Jay Christian Maddens right after this break. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down, my blood sugar is down, my weight's down, my health is up, my sleeping patterns are better, my metabolism is up. If you wanna experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. If you felt the ground shake just a little bit ago, it might be because the Supreme Court just decided one of the cases they're going to take on in the next uh, season that begins in the fall will carry into 2023. It's an election case, one that could have a profound effect on the 2024 election. The issue at hand, does the Constitution literally 
give the legislature sole authority to set the rules for their elections. The North Carolina uh, Republicans are challenging an effort by their Democratic governor to overrule some of their election choices when it comes to redistricting election rules. They've taken this to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has agreed to take that case on for next year. We have the perfect guest to join us and help us referee this. He worked for years in the Justice Department, uh, Voting Rights Division. Uh, I got to meet him uh, when he blew the whistle on some wrongdoing in that division. He later created one of the most important groups in the election space today, the Public Interest Legal Foundation. He's Jay Christian Adam. Christian, great to have you on the show today. Thanks, John. Your thoughts that the Supreme Court on its final day of the session would take on this North Carolina election case? How big a deal is it? Well, it's gigantic. It's it's one of the biggest uh, cert grants that I can think of since Shelby v. Holder, which, of course, related to oversight by the Justice Department of every state election law. And I think it's indicative of a court that has gotten a nasty whiff the last couple terms of government overreach, whether it's whether it's, uh, you know, the EPA or whether it's the Justice Department. I think this court is ready to rein in uh, judges and bureaucrats. It's pretty remarkable. And there's the context of what's been going on. There's been a lot of struggles in states where government is split. Uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania uh, and Wisconsin are three examples where the Republican legislatures after 2020 said, hey, we don't like some of the things that went on in the 2020 election. We don't like mass mailing of ballots. We want to make sure voter ID is adhered to. Uh, We don't like no excuse absentee voting. They pass laws and their will is thwarted by the Democratic governor who vetoes them and they don't have a veto proof majority. Uh, It seems that some of those issues could also be resolved in this question in North Carolina, correct? Perhaps. Uh, I I think when it comes to setting of qualifications, but perhaps even the the more on point case is North Carolina itself, because there you had even more skullduggery with a law that was enacted. Forget about vetoes. It was the law uh, because of a supermajority. And you had uh, various laws in North Carolina that weren't being defended by the attorney general. And so the court dealt with that this term, allowed the legislature to intervene. But I think it, it really sets up the awareness by this court about who should have power, who should have power. And the founders put the deepest reservoir of power in this country with the state legislatures. That's who they really, really trusted with power more than anybody else. And that's why we have a country is because they trusted state legislatures to be the ultimate reservoir of power. Yeah, exactly. And the history and the, of, and the intent of the founding fathers is pretty clear. As you look out, I mean, what things could be decided by this uh, case that would dictate what happens in 2024? Redistricting clearly is one of them. But what are some of the other things that maybe we could get clarity on as a result of this case? Well, look, there's another another case right now in the country where this is a central issue, and that is out of Kansas, where right? the Kansas legislature passed a law that said these outside progressive third-party groups cannot pre-populate, meaning fill out, absentee ballot request forms. Well, the Voter Participation Center out of Colorado, they're the group who tries to get your dog registered to vote. <laughs> right. They They sued and said, wait a minute, we should be allowed to do whatever we want in Kansas, And Kansas uh, really would benefit from this in in being able to limit the ability of outside groups to fool voters by sending them pre-populated ballot request forms. And what's happened, John, is 
Kansas election officials are getting like five or six requests from the same people. And so uh, it's another this case that you're talking about that was just taken up is going to have shockwaves through election administration. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I'm hearing from so many different corners today, that this may be one of the most important uh, cases to reach the court, just like you said. It's um, And of course, we're still absorbing some of the other historic things, the abortion ruling, the gun rights ruling. And today there was one, and I know this is in your wheelhouse because you've often looked at the regulatory state and the overreach that happens as federal bureaucrats try to expand their fiefdoms and their reach. Um, the EPA case, West Virginia versus EPA, tell us how important the court's decision there is in limiting the scope of federal government to take on things that they're not given legal authority to do. Right. Of course, we'll start at the beginning. The founders wanted any limits on freedom to be passed by Congress, not by kings and exchequers and bureaucrats and ministers. Well, unfortunately, uh, the EPA is full of ministers and exchequers, and they decided that they didn't like coal. And so they passed a series of edicts, you know, by edict, literally announcing the edicts that make it really impossible for uh, American abundance of clean coal to be used. And they effectively outlawed coal. And and, and West Virginia, God bless them, uh, decided to sue the EPA. And the Supreme Court today sided with the uh, West Virginia and said that bureaucrats in Washington don't have the power to issue edicts to ban whole industries. And that's exactly what the bureaucrats who live in Tacoma Park and Kensington and Alexandria did when they tried to ban coal. It's such a great reminder that uh, what has happened over the last 10 and 20 years is when the Democrats are in charge and they can't, they don't have enough of the will of the people, they can't get something through Congress, they simply used executive fiat to do what Congress has really been left by the Constitution to do. And this, I think, probably has a, a an impact far beyond environment, climate, or EPA, right? This probably is a, a signal to every federal agency, you can't make up your own laws, right? Right. On big issues like this. And don't don't forget, they they had lots more coming. I mean, these guys love to control everyone's lives. And the Supreme Court said, look, we're a republic because we put power with the people, with Congress, where that if we want to do something, it has to go through a process. And and John, you know about Washington, the number of people involved in issuing this edict there might have been 30 or 40 people and those 30 or 40 people were responsible for basically uh, ruining the jobs and employment and welfare of so many people across West Virginia and Kentucky, Colorado, because of their edict that got rid of coal. It is remarkable. It's been interesting. You know, you were inside government, so you saw how bureaucracy worked. You stood up to the bureaucracy when, when you saw wrongdoing and dismissal of things that should have been pursued. But it seems like the bureaucracy has gotten more and more emboldened over the last 10 years. What is driving that? Some of it seems to be the media's glorification of you know these bureaucrats. But what do you think is driving the idea that bureaucrats think this is their government, not the people's government? Well, you know what? The founders, John, always warned that this might happen. They, they knew what, they what the tendencies were and the trend lines with government that gets too big. And I think what's happened, what's changed 
is and, and it's an external change where the growth and the money associated with progressive activism that changes the atmosphere outside of government to enable these bureaucrats, I think really is what's changed. The litigation, the lawfare, the you know street mobs, the threats of violence. I think the external stuff has changed and it just has enabled the internal stuff to really start to flourish that the founders warned us about. Yeah, and it seems like this court, in, in many ways, um, uh, beyond the electorate, which is the ultimate last resort, uh, but it's become a last resort because Congress has been unable to fight these encroachments on its territory. Uh, the bureaucrats basically do as they want, and they don't punish themselves even when they're caught doing something wrong. So the court seems to be that counterbalance, that third branch of government that I guess our founding fathers knew needed to be there. Do you think the court's actions also play a role in the election that people will say, you know what, this Washington has gotten just too big for its britches. We're voting for smaller government. Do you think we're coming into one of those elections where big government kind of loses its luster? Well, it could be, but I, you know, people don't like abuse of power and people in Washington, that's what they're good at is abusing power. So <laughs> that, that may be one of the issues, John, though, I, I will tell you $6 uh, on the uh, sign for gasoline might have more to do with it than anything else. hundred percent. This is definitely set up as a pocketbook election. I guess the question will be, will people ask the question of themselves, how did we get to $6? Oh, wait, big government restrained the flow of fuel. How did yes. we get That's the education opportunity that, you know, for you and I and folks that have a bullhorn, I think we have a great opportunity to explain how that got that way through big government it's um, it's really remarkable, but you're right. It's going to have to be a, a um, pocketbook election. There's no doubt it's setting up that way. Let me ask you this last question. Uh, this has been a pretty remarkable uh, session of the Supreme Court, perhaps some of the most historic rulings in a long time. Roe v. Wade reversed. The right to bear arms is now the right to bear arms. It isn't just the right to own an arm and then you can't carry it. They're very clear about that. Uh, your takeaways from this court and a little bit of what the Trump appointees brought to this court. Yeah, the thread that I see through these big decisions this term is exasperation with the bureaucracy. The Wilsonian idea that that the elites know best and how to how to be technocrats to govern American life. You see that whether it's in the New York gun case where they got to decide if your reason was good enough to apply for a gun. The elites did, not the regular people. And so all throughout these cases, you're seeing this court have discussed with the elites. Now, the problem in the past, John, and nothing against Alito and, and, and you know, Scalia, but the problem with the past was uh, a lot of the court appointees sort of came from the Bush administration. Right. They actually, they literally did. And, and if, you know, if you know, nothing against them, but, you know, that's a different, a different political base than the Trump administration. And finally, you see, finally, you see judges who don't give a rip about what the elites think, hopefully, or at least have the numbers to get to six. And so I think that's the big story is the regular people finally have a voice at the Supreme Court instead of the elites. Yeah. And in many ways, it's the same disdain for elitism that our founding fathers had when they rejected King George and all of his edicts. It's very interesting to watch this court 
kind of bring us back to that moment at the beginning of our restless country, uh, that elitism and big government was just too stuffy on our freedom. We didn't like it. Do you, do you see that historical connection as you look back that we're almost, there's a re- revival of federalism at the state level, right? These attorney generals. It seems like we're reconnecting a little bit to the core sentiments that our founding fathers had. Absolutely. The aggressiveness of Texas, West Virginia, Florida, South Carolina, these states, these states are pushing back against this uh, Washington, D.C. overreach in aggressive ways that we haven't seen for a very long time. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to watch. And it's been pretty uh, a pretty historical few weeks here. Um, Kristen, how do people follow the great work that you do at the Public Interest Legal Foundation? publicinterestlegal.org. That's, That's pretty easy to remember. Yeah, well, I'll put that yep. out on Twitter today, too. You do such amazing work, and um, I have the fondest memories as a reporter and journalist at the Washington Times, and watching you stand up uh, in that famous Black Panther case a long time ago. Our country is very lucky to have people like you on the front lines fighting for our freedom. Thanks, John. Thank you, sir. All have right, a great Fourth care. of July. Okay, All right. Bye-bye. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Madeline Hubbard, the great correspondent here at Just the News. She's been in Israel for the last few months. She's going to give us a firsthand account of the fourth election in five years. I'm not making that up. Fourth election in five years in Israel and the very strong likelihood that Benjamin Netanyahu, a friend of President Trump, a friend of America, uh, is, will come, return to power as a result of this new election. We'll cover that right after this commercial break. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. This next person needs no introduction. You know her byline because every day she's out there breaking news for Just the News. She is one of our great correspondents, and we're lucky enough about the fact that she actually lives right now in Israel and is able to give us a firsthand account of what's going on in the great state of Israel. Joining us right now, Just the News staff for Madeline Hubbard. Madeline, great to have you on the show. Thank you so 
much for having me on. I'm joining you from Jerusalem right now. How about that? That's awesome. That's great. Well, we're lucky to have you there because there is some history unfolding again in Israel now for the fifth time in four years. There's going to be another election for prime minister. Uh, Tell us a little bit about how the Bennett government collapsed and what the mood is of Israelis on the ground there. So a lot of people voted for Bennett, thinking that he would be a unifier. As you know, um, the former prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, is being investigated on some corruption charges. People thought Bennett would be a new person. He's religious, a new face for the government. And he broke a lot of his promises, is what people are telling me. So, for example, he's aligned himself with other you know, leaders on the left, and he isn't fulfilling the promises that he made. So... People are upset and angry, and slowly by slowly, if you don't know how Israeli governments work, it's all like a coalition in parliament. Um, different people are leading his coalition, and so, you know, over the past few months, he's had more and more people leave to where he is now no longer in the majority, and the government has to fall. They will hold another election in order to have a majority party this time. That's great. That's amazing to watch that dynamic because a lot of people in America thought, well, this is settled for a while. They got a a new prime minister. But in fact, uh, there's a lot of just concern about the state of Israel in this moment of a lot of tension in the region. Also opportunity, right, because the Middle East peace accords that President Trump uh, and Mike Pompeo and uh, were able to put together clearly has opened up some new economic dynamics. At the same time, you're seeing uh, the continuation of this Iran-backed violence. How do people look at the peace accords first? How do most Israelis feel an impact or pride that those have fallen into place? Yes, a lot of Israelis have been very overwhelmingly um, happy with it. And I've had a great response to the peace accords. And most Israelis I speak to just absolutely love what President Donald Trump did for this country. Um, of course, if you go to some of the more liberal areas, such as in Tel Aviv, just as, you know, if you go to the big cities in America, you can get more liberal ideas. But overall, Jerusalem, there's a lot of support for, pres- for former President Trump. Yeah. And, and while there's some excitement about the economic uh, cooperation that's now occurring uh, between Arab neighbors and, and Israel, uh, there's been a growth of these attacks, some of them uh, allegedly a cell of ISIS uh, or an ISIS cell that had gotten into Israel. There have been some from the Iran-backed um, uh, terrorism groups. How are Israelis dealing with the, the resurgence of violence in, in this moment? Honestly, it's kind of a fact of life when you live here. You just get used to it. I mean, the murder rate is still far below um, some of the big cities in America, so it's not like it's a real big concern, but it could happen anywhere. Um, So it's definitely something that you're cognizant of, and it was especially concerning over the past few weeks. But right now, they seem to have thankfully died down, at least for now. Yeah, it seems like they've been able to roll up some of the members of the cell, and that's helped a lot. As you look now, um, it's been interesting to see a, a familiar name in Israeli politics bubbling to the top with a new election now in the in the distant future, or not so distant future. Benjamin Netanyahu, written off for dead many times in the past, always seems to have a comeback. Uh, are people giving him another look as this election uh, starts to unfold in Israel? Yes, Definitely. I have spoken to so many different people who say they are voting for Bibi. A lot of people who regret voting for Naftali Bennett and plan on voting for Bibi Netanyahu um, just because they're used to him. They know, yes, there were attacks under him. There were problems, 
but he delivered on a lot of his promises. And even though he is not religious, uh, the religious fraction is such a large part of the country, and he has such support from them that it's very likely he will win. And it was funny. I was talking to someone who was a Palestinian man, and he said, yeah, a lot of Palestinians are going to vote for Bibi because we're just used to him. And I think that he's been in the power for so long that they know what to expect. And a lot of people here are also feeling the pain from inflation, and they're tired of what's going on there. And they really do appreciate everything that President Trump did with Benjamin Netanyahu. There's a joke going around that Dubai is one of the, you know, most Jewish cities outside of the U.S. right now because a lot of Israelis are visiting there. Um, Sorry, most Jewish cities out of Israel, except for New York. But a lot of Israelis are visiting Dubai right now. And we have great relations, and it would be great if we could get Netanyahu back because we felt stability was forming here. And with Naftali Bennett, it's just not... um, stable in the area yeah that seems to be really uh uh, noticeable there's an interesting dynamic so there's now an acting uh prime minister yair yair lapid and he's not going to run in the coming election but he was instrumental uh, in most people's minds in getting naftali bennett uh the coalition he needed to get elected how does lapid play this next election he's not going to run himself but it's clear to me he's the sort of guy that would like to stop a comeback from uh, Netanyahu. How does this all play out? You know, it's going to be really hard, I think, to stop Netanyahu's comeback from the momentum that I see on the ground here. Um, I think that if anything, he might try to play up the corruption investigation and all of that that's going on. But a lot of Israelis I speak to, they don't really care about the allegations that have been brought forward. They really just want to go back to Netanyahu. Um, you know, oftentimes I hear the response, only Bibi. So I think that he might try to play that up, but I don't know if it will work in his favor in the end. That's sort of what I hear from folks as well. There, there seems to be a, a sense that there's not a lot that can stop the momentum right now. There's an interesting, when you look at the dem- demographics of Israel, the um, the more religious population has been growing faster than the more secular population. And then, you know, the, some of the swing vote comes from the Arab Israelis, but they, they often can be uh, uh, suppressed in voting because they're not really satisfied with any of the candidates. That seems to be at play here, which is that the, the side that most benefits Netanyahu seems to be not only growing in, in population, but also growing in political uh, strength. Uh, does that seem to be what you're seeing on the ground when you talk to people? Definitely. And there's a rising star, um, Itamar bin Gavir, who is a religious Zionist. Yep. And it's interesting because a lot of people are turning toward him. They think that Bibi isn't far enough right. He's doing too much to appease the Arabs. Um, bin Gavir has gotten into some trouble for some of his more controversial comments that he's made, especially regarding terrorism. Right. Well, what's interesting is he will go and pray on the Temple Mount. And that's where his problem with the very religious, like the Haredim, is because they will not go and pray on the Temple Mount for religious reasons because there's not a Messiah at the moment, at least within Jewish belief. Right. So they will see that he's doing that and they say, oh, that's anti-Judaism. Why would you do that? And so they won't vote for him. So even at the end of the day, well, you have a lot of these religious Zionists who will support Bin Gavir. A lot of the very, very orthodox people will not, and they will vote for Bibi instead. 
Yeah, and and uh, having someone run to the right of him actually makes for the general populace uh, Netanyahu even look a little more moderate, so that he can pick some of the support in the center of the country. It's an interesting dynamic to watch that. We're all dealing here in America, you know that because you've been here uh, often, uh, high gas prices, inflation, worries about food shortages. Are those issues also at stake? Is there an economic pocketbook element to this upcoming election in Israel? Is it really about security and, uh, and dealing with Palestinians and the potential opportunities with their Arab neighbors? So finance is definitely a problem. I have not seen shortages in goods at all. The shelves are fully stocked. It's not a concern. But prices are increasing. But that being said, things have always been more expensive in Israel. You know, it's like a European country. Right. So you look at the gas prices and you think to yourself, oh, my goodness, how could you pay, you know, $8, $9 a gallon? But we've always paid a lot of money. And you don't need a car if you live in the city. You really don't. And a lot of people live in cities. Right. Um, so it's a concern, and more of the concern is more so the housing crisis, because there's so many people in this country, and we're growing so fast, and like you said, the birth rates and all of that, that it's just building new areas, and who's going to, again, it goes back to security, are you going to allow people to build more settlements in the West Bank, or are you going to say no, because there are some people who will you know, be in support of tearing down settlements and houses where people have, and you say settlement, and you think of a little shack, but it's entire villages and, you know, great stone houses that are beautiful, that people have talked about that as a plan of tearing it down. So more so, in the end, everything just comes down to security. What will keep us the most secure, the most safe? Because I think that's one of the biggest shocks to Americans is in Israel, it's not like there's an NRA. Right. There's not a free speech club, whatever. There is security. Are you going to be cracking down? Or are you going to be more, you know, for appeasement? And I think a lot of people are seeing they thought that Bennett would be the right choice. They thought that he'd be, you know, able to be tough. And they saw what was happening with Netanyahu and they said, let's do a change. And then they realized, oh, what we had was not that bad. So while someone told me I thought this was a very interesting perspective that I hadn't thought about is they said, yes, Netanyahu didn't deliver on all of his promises. But he delivered on most of them. And this person felt like Naftali Bennett didn't deliver on any of the promises. So I thought that was a very interesting perspective that, you know, people will take whenever you're able to deliver on at least half your promises. But, you know, if you can't deliver, if you're not delivering on any of them, then people are not going to be happy. That's so true. And and in times of uncertainty, going back to something that's a known quantity often can feel comfortable to people. I mean, the thing about Netanyahu, he's led the country for most of the last two decades. And so people know him. They know what to get. How um, did the early Russia-Ukraine war impact Israel? It looked like Israel was trying to keep a position of neutrality while the atrocities were going on in Ukraine. Did that backfire a little bit on Bennett? I think that did. I think that people were very optimistic that Israel might be able to be a um, broker peace deal because you have Zelensky, who is Jewish, obviously. Right. And then you have, um, you know, Putin, who's, a, who's been overall pretty friendly to the Jews in Russia. And then there's also this concern that the Ukrainian Jewish population would come into Israel and there'd be a massive influx of immigrants. And there has been. So it's kind of walking this fine line of maybe we could try and broker something, figure it out. Because for those of you who don't know, there are also quite a few very holy Jewish sites in Ukraine. You know, a lot of people have roots from there. And so 
trying to walk that line as a, you know, peace deal. And I think that the fact that he did seem to side more with Putin has backfired on him. And a lot of people are upset. And you also have to think that we have a very large Russian population in Israel because after the fall of the wall. So it's a very interesting dynamic because do you want to please those voters? Do you want to please the the general population who's more anti-Putin? But in the end, I don't think that it worked out in his favor. I think that he was hopeful that he'd be able to broker something and nothing came of it. Yeah, it's fascinating to see that, that play out. What should we be watching for in the next few weeks? The election is later this year, right? In September, is that correct? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I think I saw August or September. What are the bellwether signs we should all be watching for in the uh, lead up to this next election? I think that it's just important to see, I especially on Twitter, social media, follow and see what the politicians are saying, what the people are saying. And I think once the results are out, it will be very fascinating to see how many seats Netanyahu is able to get in his Likud party and how much how many people he will have on his coalition side because if he's not able to form a coalition then we'll be back to another election which I don't I mean it would be pretty exhausting to have six elections in four years but you know and if there's any other major major events of you know hopefully we won't have any uh, major security issues but if there's anything like that that's definitely something to keep an eye on and of course, we're watching over and looking at the U.S. and seeing how everything's shaking out over there because right. um, a lot of Israelis are very in tune with U.S. politics. So that's pretty massive what's happening there. And we'll see how it goes over here. But I'm excited. And hopefully, this, you know, once the seats shake out and we figure out how many from each party gets what, that's been whenever we'll be able to determine the future of Israel a lot more firmly. And I think especially with the midterms, because of the close relationship, if Republicans take back the House this fall, um, a lot of Israelis um, will be very happy with, you know, not having to worry about security budgets and whatnot, um, because Israel has been, I mean, sorry, America has been extremely helpful to Israel. Yeah, no, it's remarkable. Last question, we'll get just about a minute left. President Trump's been talking about maybe endorsing Netanyahu. Uh, Netanyahu is more aligned with conservatives than he has been with liberals in America. What would happen in a Netanyahu-Biden dynamic? I don't think it would be the warmest relationship. <laughs> I'll say that. Very diplomatic, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, here it's kind of sad to whenever I ask Israelis for their thoughts on Biden. It's a very sad situation when you ask them, well, what are your thoughts on Biden? They just do not like him at all. A lot of Israelis really, that's across really, political really spectrums, don't right? Like it there's, even the left side of Israel hasn't been that impressed with him, right? No, no, not at all. I mean, it's a very common, like, you know, hits on him that a lot of people have been taking, as in, you know, oh, he's so old, he doesn't know what he's doing. But then there's also concerns with the Iran deal, which is a massive ball there. And then there's also just general, you know, the Democratic Party in the United States, and a lot of issues that have been arising with such as um, boycott, divest, and sanctions movements and other similar measures. It's going to be really amazing to watch. This is a historic moment, and I know the Israelis are looking for some stability. They've had enough elections after this one. Uh, It'll be very interesting to see if the answer to stability is returning to somebody they know all so well, Benjamin Netanyahu. Madeline, we love your work. You do such great work for Just the News, and we have the added benefit right now of you giving us a first eyewitness uh, to the history unfolding in Israel. So thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much.
much for having me on. We'll have you on again soon. All right. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back in a few seconds to wrap things up. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back. Thank you for listening today. Thanks to our two great guests, Madeline Hubbard. Boy, she's such an impressive reporter, isn't she? We're so lucky here. And then, uh, of course, Jay Kristen Adams making sense of some of the most historic rulings we've seen out of the Supreme Court in a very, very long time. Thank you for joining us. We really enjoyed it today. It's such an honor to have you on. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition. Until then, I always like to Shout out one of our great strategic partners here at Just the News at John Solomon Reports. And because I run a small company, Just the News, Bentley Media Group, I know that HR is important, but it's also something I don't want to do a lot on my own. I'm too busy. I got many other things. I want to run the company. But one complaint against your company on an HR front can turn your world upside down. You don't have to take that risk. So if you run a company, no matter how big or small it is, the good news is is my good friends at Bambi, B-A-M. B-E-E, are here to help small business owners like me and you implement good HR practices. Bambi is an HR platform built for businesses like yours and mine. So you can automate the most important practices and get your own dedicated HR manager. That's right. They're going to give you a dedicated HR manager who knows your company. With Bambi, your dedicated HR manager starts at just, I'm not making this number up, $99 a month. That's it. No hidden costs, no fees. Beyond that, it can be as little as $99 a month. That is a bargain. That is a well-spent $99 to give you the peace of mind to know you're not going to make an HR mistake that comes back to haunt you. Now, if you want to learn more about this, get up to speed on this, explore this and say, I want to take this HR off my plate, go to Bambi.com slash just news. Let me give you that again. Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash just news right now for your free HR audit. That's what they're going to do. They're going to give you a free audit, give you an overview of what they can do for you and take that burden off your hands. Why wait? Don't even wait until after the holiday. Do it now while the URL is fresh in your mind. Go to Bambi.com slash just news. Bambi.com slash just news. Who wouldn't want a dedicated HR manager for as little as $99? What a great opportunity if you run a business like I do. All right, folks, thanks for joining us. We'll have a great TV show tonight with Amanda Head and I at 6 p.m. on Real America's Voice. A great lineup, a lot of news. We're going to break a lot of news. It is about President Biden's foreign policy. Leading from behind is the title. And we've got a great lineup. Jim Banks, Scott Perry, Claudia Tenney, 
former Lieutenant Colonel James Carafano at the Heritage Foundation, four big names in the foreign policy space, here to referee what we got right, what we've got wrong, how our allies and our adversaries are perceiving America on Joe Biden's watch. A great special report tonight, 6 p.m. Check it out. It's definitely worth uh, tuning in for. All right, folks, that wraps up another day, another edition of John Solomon Reports. If you get in hankering for some news, you need that news fix, you know what you can do. Go to justthenews.com or better yet, go to the Apple and Android stores and download the Just the News app. We have an iOS and an Android app. It's native to your phone. It makes reading, watching, and listening to the great content of Just the News so much easier. Click on listen, you get the podcast. Click on watch, you get the TV show. Click on read, you get the 40, 50, 60 stories a day that our great staff produces for you. You can also sign up for the newsletter, something that's very important to get every morning in your inbox. We give you the 30 top stories you need to be aware of before you get your day started. Go to work, go to school, whatever it is that you do. All right, folks, God bless you. We're just a few days from America's 246th birthday, our moment of independence. And we have a lot of things special planned for the next few days. So stay tuned. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.